This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Megan Nichols, a veterinary epidemiologist at CDC in Atlanta. We'll be discussing salmonella and songbirds and its effect on people. Welcome, Dr. Nichols. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Sarah. Your article is about salmonella in songbirds and its effect on people, as I said. Is this the same kind of salmonella people get from raw eggs and raw poultry? It's similar. In this investigation, it was salmonella serotype typhimurium that affected songbirds and people. And this serotype of salmonella is common in the United States. People can get this type of salmonella from many sources, including those that you mentioned, such as contaminated food and contact with animals. In fact, what many people didn't know and something that is a bit of a fact that you can share at any of your upcoming holiday events is that salmonella results in more than 1 million illnesses in people each year, and about 11% of these illnesses are attributed to contact with animals, such as songbirds and other pets. And what's considered a songbird? Well, the term is often used to describe birds that we hear singing in nature. However, not all birds that sing are truly songbirds. So for scientists, Songbird has a more detailed meaning. It refers to a specific suborder of birds, and all songbirds are perching birds in an order called passerines that share a distinct toe arrangement that helps them to grasp onto branches. And really, despite their variety in size and musical talent, all songbirds do have something in common, which is precise control a vocal organ that these birds have called a, a syrinx, and almost all birds use the syrinx to produce sound. So a little, a little bit more information about what we actually consider a songbird. Okay, so corvids like crows and ravens, those aren't songbirds, and what about pigeons? Nope, you are correct. Those are not songbirds. What effect does salmonella have on the birds? Well, unlike some of our other animal species that can get salmonella and still look healthy, songbirds are affected with salmonella. And the signs that you might see include a reluctance to fly, anorexia, meaning they're not eating as much as normal, abnormal mentation, meaning they might seem confused. Some of them have diarrhea or might develop an inability to swallow their food. One of the most common things we see reported when there is salmonella in songbirds is, is sudden death. So someone walking outside looking at their bird feeder or finding dead birds in their yard. So salmonella does cause illness in these songbirds. Okay, but a dead bird could also be West Nile or some other things, right? That is true. There are other causes of sudden death or sudden mortality in birds. Do a lot of birds die from it, and do they die in clusters, or is it sort of just a continuous thing? There are some colleagues in, in the wildlife arena that have been looking into this for some time, and among wild songbirds, particularly those in the family Fringillidae, or finches, salmonella can cause some periodic and widespread deaths. This typically occurs during the winter, which can result in the death of hundreds to even thousands of birds. And among the types of salmonella that we see cause death that's found in songbirds 
Salmonella typhimurium, which we found in our investigation, is the most common serotype identified in these death events among songbirds. Have there been many of these outbreaks associated with birds and salmonella? There have not been very many salmonella outbreaks of illness in people that have been linked to songbirds that we've found in the literature. Indeed, when we were doing our investigation, we found three outbreaks of salmonella infections that were published in the literature, including in the United Kingdom, Norway, and New Zealand. And these outbreaks were linked to handling ill or dead birds or touching surfaces that had been contaminated with bird poop, such as bird feeders. I'm so conscious of my bird feeder now. It's it's actually a bird feeder tray. And when I go to refill it or pour the rainwater off it or something, I like use gloves. It's probably a good idea, right? I think hand washing and hand hygiene, as you mentioned, is one of the most important ways that we can protect ourselves from salmonella, including salmonella that might be on bird feeders. How many birds have been known to die in a single outbreak? In outbreaks that have been reported, hundreds, even thousands of birds can die as a result of salmonella. So the the salmonella outbreak in migratory songbirds during the winter of 2020 to 2021 was one of the largest events on record for the state of California. And this is a state that has good data. They indicated to us they had received nearly three times more reports from the public of sick or dying birds um, than they had in the previous winter outbreak they had among birds in 2015 to 2016. To give you an idea of the numbers that have been reported out of California is just an example of how many birds can die in these events. In California, over 2,000 individual reports of sick and dead birds were provided by the public and wildlife rehabilitation centers during November 2020 to May of 2021. And in these over 2,000 individual reports, the reports included 2,440 sick and dead birds. And in that instance, nearly half of them were identified as pine siskins. So a songbird in this case. So that's just an example of how many birds can die as a result of salmonella during an outbreak. That's actually pretty shocking to me. Are there environmental factors that play into these outbreaks? Yes, various host and environmental factors can contribute to the risk for wild bird salmonella outbreaks. Gatherings in large numbers at specific locations, such as bird feeders, can lead to an increased density of the birds, increased fecal contamination of the bird feeders and surrounding area, which increases the chance that these songbirds might get infected. The type of bird feeder also can play into these outbreaks. Platform feeders can result in fecal contamination of food and the potential risk for transmission to increase versus other types of bird feeders that might not have as much fecal buildup on them. Is there a seasonal component to these outbreaks? Yes. There's a strong seasonal component to outbreaks of salmonella in songbirds. Most appear in the winter when these birds might become more reliant on bird feeders, are more physiologically stressed by colder temperatures, And in addition, severe weather events have affected seasonal migration patterns, which can affect the bird's ability to find high-quality food sources 
And that can also introduce or exacerbate any of the existing environmental stressors that can change or alter the bird's immune system, making them more susceptible or more likely to develop disease. These factors collectively really contribute to our concern for the conservation of some wild birds and and also increases the possibility that infection could spill over to people, although we don't always know exactly how people get the infections from birds. So there is a seasonal component, and it's something that when we see a change in nature and food sources for the birds can actually have impact on human health. Well, that was my very next question. How do people get it from these birds? So we don't exactly know? Germs like salmonella can be transmitted from wild birds to people through many different routes. This includes direct contact with sick birds or dead birds or contact with bird feces, such as on bird feeders. People can also get salmonella through indirect contact, meaning they have contact with, say, a companion animal like a dog or a cat, that bridge the connection between the human and the wild bird. This is especially common in cats that hunt and a human that might need to care for a sick animal or pick up and handle a dead bird. So cats and dogs can serve as a source for human illness in that instance. There's also instances where people might be exposed to the environment where there's a large buildup of bird feces, cleaning bird feeders, or cleaning up decks, porches, and other areas that might have bird feces on them. And as people, if we don't effectively wash our hands and then we touch our mouth or our face, we could potentially become infected with this germ. Is it possible to sort of breathe in the bird poop dust? Does that make sense if like if there's a large buildup and somebody's scraping it off or something? Yeah, there are a variety of illnesses, especially if you talk to some of my colleagues that work on fungal diseases that people can get from inhaling the dust of bird poop. But for salmonella, it really is more about the germ getting on our hands and then into our mouth, so ingesting it. It's not really known to be a germ that is airborne or one that we breathe in and subsequently get infected. But if we touch the bird poop or touch something that has had, like a dead bird that has been infected, and then touch one of our mucous membranes like our mouth, we can get sick. I see. So what effect does it actually have on people then? Most people who are infected with salmonella can develop signs like diarrhea, fever, or abdominal cramps. And those symptoms might be very mild or they can be severe especially if it's somebody who is a young child, so younger than the age of five, older adults over the age of 65, or someone with a weakened immune system. The illnesses usually last four to seven days among people who get sick, and most people do recover from salmonella without treatment. It's only in very severe cases of illness that someone might need to be hospitalized, or in some cases, people can die from this infection. You've mentioned the thousands and thousands of birds that have died from it during outbreaks. Have there been outbreaks of salmonella among people getting it, which started with these bird outbreaks? There have been outbreaks of salmonella among people. So looking at the literature and our CDC data, we, prior to the investigation that we're discussing today, we actually hadn't seen this here in the United States. We didn't have the concrete data and information. However, there were other instances in the literature where people had been reported to get sick from 
contact with wild birds, especially when there were events that were causing salmonella infections-related deaths in birds in very large numbers. Are there geographic regions of the United States that are more prone to the songbird salmonella than others? Really, anywhere there are songbirds, there can be salmonella. Pine siskins, specifically, this is a type of bird. And other birds that are what we call eruptive migrants. This is when a species of bird migrates to an area in very large numbers based mainly on food supply. These types of birds can vary their migration patterns personally in response to seasonal availability of food. And for pine siskins specifically, their natural wintering grounds is in Canada. So when we saw this outbreak, what we saw was actually some of the illnesses that began in the Pacific Northwest and then spread from there. These migratory patterns can also contribute to increases in congregation of birds around bird feeders during some winters, which again can result in some of the buildup of fecal material and spread of salmonella. And the presence of a large number of pine siskins at feeders has been reported to be linked to outbreaks of salmonella in birds in in the past. And we call pine siskins a very gregarious species, which means that that can play an important role in transmission of salmonella in feeders. They move from place to place in, in large numbers and feed. Dr. Nichols, what prompted you to do your study? Well, this is where we really appreciate the work of our public health colleagues. In February of 2021, public health officials in Oregon and Washington um, reported to us at CDC that they had seen eight people that were infected with a very specific strain of Salmonella typhimurium. And these people had gotten sick between December of 2020 and the reports we were receiving in, in February 2021. And when the health departments ran whole genome sequencing, basically to get the DNA fingerprint of the bacteria, it was determined that the bacteria collected from the eight people were really genetically related to each other. And they were also related to a salmonella bacteria that had come from a pine siskin. And when we see that type of relatedness in bacteria or germs from people and one from animals, we believe there might be a common link. So to help identify the source of human illnesses and do further investigation, our public health partners initiated a multi-state outbreak investigation in conjunction with CDC. And how did you go about conducting it? This was a really unique investigation because we needed to better understand what was happening among wild songbirds to really understand what we were seeing in terms of the illnesses in people. So we used what we call a one health approach that recognizes that the health of humans, animals, and the environment is all interrelated. So we worked very closely with our state and animal states and national animal health partners. This included partners at the state and local health departments, as well as those who were familiar with wildlife and partners in the academic realm. In the United States, our state and local health officials routinely interview those people who are infected with salmonella with a standard questionnaire. And in this particular outbreak, when we noticed that there were the salmonella from people was related to the salmonella that was found in a wild songbird, we also asked additional questions of the people who got sick, including questions about exposure to songbirds, 
to bird feeders, to bird feed and feed, and any exposure to pets like dogs and cats that might hunt. Our partners at the, the state also collected songbirds that had died when they received those reports and tested them for salmonella. So for example, in Oregon and Washington, dead songbirds were actually identified by members of the National Audubon Society. And with the assistance of the state public health veterinarians, they were submitted to the Oregon State Veterinary Diagnostic Lab. In songbirds that were identified in Washington by veterinarians, they were submitted to the Washington State University Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory. And in California, those that were reported to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, Wildlife Health Laboratory by the public and others were also collected for testing. So this allowed us not only to look at the salmonella that was affecting people, but also the salmonella that was affecting animals. And when we found the salmonella that was isolated or that was identified in the, some of the birds that had died, we did the genetic testing of that salmonella and found that it was actually highly related to the salmonella that we were finding in people. So after all this investigation, is there anything else you found you want to tell us about? Yeah. Overall, we identified 30 people with salmonella typhimurium across 12 different states. 20 of these people, so over half, resided in the western United States, which was really consistent with the migration pattern of the pine siskins and other birds that we believe were related to this outbreak. Illnesses actually lasted from or ranged from December 26, 2020 to May 19, 2021. So we saw illnesses in people occur over a period of several months. And people who got sick in this outbreak ranged in age from less than one to 89 years old. And 10 patients, or about 33%, were under the age of one. Of the 28 people who were sick with information that we received, about half of them were hospitalized. No deaths among people were reported. And we interviewed these people about whether or not they had exposure, as I mentioned, to, to bird feeders. And, and many of those, over half, did report having contact with a bird feeder on their property or having contact with dead or living songbird in the week before their illness or potentially owned a pet who had contact with wild birds. How does a one-year-old have contact with the birds or the bird's poop? That's a very good question. In some of these instances, people actually owned or kept birds in their home. So one patient owned a pet sparrow, and another person reported owning a wild fence. Oftentimes, parents also are very eager for their young children to participate and learn a little bit more about nature and wildlife, which is a really, really great thing. One of the things we just want to make sure if there is a child who is included in these types of activities, whether it's refilling a bird feeder or having contact with animals, is that they wash their hands because we know young children are more likely than adults to actually put their hands into their mouth. And so keeping those hands clean and hand washing can help prevent those illnesses. I see. So back to the pets. Okay, now we know that pets can get the salmonella from these birds, but how exactly is it transmitted to people from the pets? Well, animals can get sick with salmonella. So if a cat hunts a bird and the bird is infected with salmonella, the cat can actually get sick. 
and the cat can have fever and diarrhea or vomiting. And you can imagine if that happens, then there is probably an owner that is cleaning up after the cat. In this instance, we also had a pet in Oregon, a pet dog that a veterinarian had attended to, and this dog had stick fragments in its mouth and had done a procedure to remove the stick fragments and actually submitted a test that came back positive for salmonella for the dog. And the dog's owner reported that dead birds had been observed on their property and neighboring properties. So there's a chance that the dog actually had exposures to those dead birds, and that might be how they developed salmonella. However, in that instance, there were no people who got sick as a result of contact with the dog. But it's always good for us pet owners to keep in mind if our pets hunt or go outside, they could potentially have exposure to birds. And especially if you see dead birds, it's something to keep in mind that your pet could become sick with salmonella. Oh, yes, definitely. What public health needs does your study demonstrate? This outbreak of salmonella typhimurium demonstrated an ongoing need to really raise awareness that salmonella can have impacts on multiple species, not just people, but also our songbirds and our pets. So it's a really good idea to think about the different ways that we can keep all species healthy. We've already talked about hand washing, but are there any other steps people should take to protect themselves from getting sick from these birds? I think it's really important for people to keep bird feeders clean and to wash their hands after having contact with any bird feces. So we recommend that if somebody has a bird feeder or a bird bath, they clean that at least monthly. And they might need to clean more often if bird poop or other dirt builds up. We also want people to clean those feeders outside of their house when possible. Or if you clean it indoors, use a laundry sink or a bathtub. Don't use the sink in your kitchen where you might prepare food. And it's really important. We have some great information on our website where people can find instructions as to how to clean bird feeders. We also recommend that people not touch or hand feed wild birds with their hands. And if you find a sick or dead bird, there are often resources at your state that you can call to report that. But it's something that we identified in this outbreak is some people who got sick were touching some of the dead birds to dispose of them. You want to be careful with that. And then, of course, as you mentioned, always washing hands with soap or water right after touching bird feeders, bird baths, or handling any birds. And after touching pets or pet supplies, we think that's also important. I know that hand sanitizer doesn't work with some infectious diseases like C. diff. Does it work for this? Would it work if if people didn't have access to water immediately? In the case of salmonella, hand sanitizer is a great tool to use to sanitize hands if you don't have access to water to wash your hands. And it is effective in killing the salmonella germs. And a minute ago, you mentioned the uh, CDC website having a great advice. You want to give us that URL? Sure. Information regarding how to keep your family and your pets safe from salmonella can be found at cdc.gov slash salmonella. Okay, thank you for that. Are there any other things veterinarians should be aware of or advice pet owners should know about? 
Well, during a veterinary exam of a pet, if the owner tells the veterinarian that their pet hunts, the veterinarian can provide information about the different diseases that pets can catch from wild animals and how to best prevent those diseases, such as through vaccination or even using flea control. They can also advise about the signs that a person should look out for if their pet becomes sick and what to do if the pet becomes sick. So veterinarians can share this information to make people aware that they too can actually get sick from contact with wildlife or in some cases their pets who are sick and how to protect themselves through simple steps like hand washing. It sounds like these outbreaks are getting worse. Is that true and are they more frequent? This is something that we're continuing to discuss with our partners in wildlife health, and we're very grateful that we have this ongoing collaboration that is very robust in the wildlife community because we really need more information to determine if these outbreaks are getting worse or more frequent. So we're continuing to partner together to continue to monitor for outbreaks that may have a similar pattern. And our wildlife colleagues are continuing to watch for any die-offs or outbreaks in birds and share that information with us. And we're continuing to monitor for these types of outbreaks in people and share that information with them. I think it's also been really important for us to keep an eye on any changes in weather and, and temperature and things that might affect the food supply for these birds, because we know that that can also impact salmonella and any bird die-offs that we might see. So looking at it from a One Health perspective, what do you think the future holds for songbirds? Well, severe weather events or changes in temperature and climate can change the availability for food for migratory songbirds and make them more likely to seek other food sources or migrate to new geographic areas. That might also mean they're more likely to frequent bird feeders. So being aware of how feeding birds can actually spread salmonella among the birds and doing our part to keep the bird feeders clean or removing them and taking them down if there's a salmonella outbreak among birds can really help to prevent birds from getting these types of infections. This may be sort of a strange question, but do you have a favorite infectious disease, one that fascinates you the most? Mine's always been Yersinia pestis, you know, plague, ever since I was an adolescent. You know, I that's something you and I actually have in common. I am originally from the state of New Mexico and worked at the health department there for many years. And it was really interesting to me to see that this disease that had been around for quite some time was actually endemic in nature in New Mexico. And as we saw people move in from um, urban areas to more suburban or rural environments and their pets would hunt, the pets would be exposed to fleas that were actually carrying Yersinia pestis or plague. And then the animals, if they weren't on flea control, could bring those fleas into the house where the fleas might bite people and result in infection with plague. So that was something that I really was surprised to learn about more while I was working at the New Mexico Department of Health, but also really glad that we have tools that we can use, such as flea control, to keep our pets and our family members safe. And I think that's one reason I also like salmonella is that there are some tools that we can use to keep pets and people healthy and safe. 
It is comforting to think that there are tools to help us. Yes, that's interesting about New Mexico. The first time, I mean, I was already aware of um, plague and very interested in it, but I was traveling and I was in uh, New Mexico. I think I was 19, so quite a while ago. And there was a plague outbreak. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that it still existed. You know, you know I was always thought of it as some like you said, ancient disease, the Black Plague in the Middle Ages and before that. So very interesting. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Nichols. This has been very informative and I think helpful. Thank you again for the opportunity. And I really appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the November 2023 article, Human Salmonellosis Outbreak Linked to Salmonella Typhimurium Epidemic and Wild Songbirds, United States 2020 through 2021, online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.